0: Good morning. morning. Excited to be with you this morning. Um, I'll start with a quick story. There's a uh, mother sitting and walking into her kitchen and her son is at the table and she says, you need to get up and get ready to go to church this morning. He says, crosses his arms, stomps his foot and says, I'm not going to church this morning. I owe you two reasons why. They don't like me and I don't like them. Mother gets a little frustrated and says, oh, you are going to church this morning. I've got two reasons why you're going to church. You're 48 years old and you're the pastor. <laughs> so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's nice to see our pastor here this
0: morning, but I agree. These, uh, these three-a-day things are long and taxing. And um, I've actually encouraged Travis to stay home for the 630 service and just spend some time with his family. Um but in his love for you, I don't know if that'll happen or not. So, we've been spending the last uh, few weeks walking through a series on grace, what it is, how do we apply it to ourselves, and then next week on to, how do we apply it to others? And as we've kind of walked through this, there was a question that came to mind, and that's what I'm gonna look at this morning. The question is, why does God show us grace? And I don't want to keep you in suspense, I don't want to drag it out. Um, Quite simply, it's because He loves us. And He loves us exactly as we are and not as we should be, because we're never going to be the way we should be, this side of glory. And so as I studied on this topic, uh, I came to one author in particular, and found myself repeatedly in tears. And so I don't know exactly how to bring a message to you this morning in the standard sense. And so I'm simply gonna share with you some of the things that I learned. I'll share them exactly the way that I learned them uh, and exactly the way that they moved me in the hopes that through the Holy Spirit, you'll be able to see the things that I saw. And hear the things that I heard. So, in 1951, in the Korean conflict, it was a cold day, and two friends are in a bunker together. And they didn't know each other growing up, they had kind of, kind of gotten to know each other through the service uh, that they were doing and uh, their job was gonna be to go into this field and clean it uh, for mines so that their platoon could come through and they're, as they're sitting in the, in the bunker together, uh, two men, Richard Manning and uh, Ray Brennan sitting next to each other and passing a chocolate bar back and forth and just kind of talking quietly for obvious reasons. And so, Richard takes bite of the chocolate bar and hands it over to, to Ray and Ray takes the last bite. And just as he takes the last bite, a grenade lands directly in between them that was thrown by the enemy a few yards away that they hadn't seen or noticed. And Ray notices it before Richard does and he takes the chocolate wrapper and he throws it to the side and dives on top of the grenade. And just as he lands on it, the grenade goes off. Obviously caused some severe issues for Ray. But Brennan was, or rather, uh, Richard was completely shielded. And after the grenade went off, Ray rolled over and he looked at Richard and he winked just as he died. Six years later, Richard was entering into the uh, the Franciscan Order of the Catholic Church as a priest and was asked to choose a name Part of that process is putting off the old self and taking on a new identity. And so he chose Ray's last name as his first name and was issued into the order of the Franciscans as Father Brennan Manning. Many of you probably heard of Brennan Manning as an author, as a speaker. Some of his major works include The Ragamuffin Gospel, Abba's Child, And so the majority of things that i'm going to be sharing with you are things that i've heard from from brennan manning over the last little while uh, even posthumously uh, as he's no longer with us he did not stay in the in the catholic faith Um, he fell in love and got married and catholic church does not (laughs) allow priests to do that apparently and so um, but he continued on in ministry for for many many years and i consider him probably the foremost expert on grace and love uh, probably from the last 40 years. And so I'm simply going to be sharing with you some of his stories and some of the things that he has shown me over the last little while. So moving into this next piece, I'd like to share a poem with you, maybe one that you've heard. It's not unknown. Um, It is a little lengthy, so I apologize. Um, This particular poem has been banned in a couple of places because of some of the postures that it takes. Because it's a poem and it's not scripture, I don't mind switching around for my purposes today. Um, And so I'll do that. Uh, The poem is called The Giving Tree by Shel Silverstein. And it's a story of love. But here's why it moved me. I'll tell you this up front just so you can follow. It's a story of a tree that gives everything to a boy and to a boy who doesn't always see it, notice it or appreciate it in the way that might be best. And I found myself in the character of the boy and my God in the character of the tree. This is The Giving Tree by Shel Silverstein. There once was a tree and she loved a little boy. And every day the boy would come And he would gather her leaves and make them into crowns, and play king of the forest. He would climb up her trunk and swing from her branches and eat apples. And they would play hide and go seek. And when he was tired, he would sleep in her shade. And the boy loved the tree very much and the tree was happy. But time went by and the boy grew older and the tree was often alone. Then one day the boy came to the tree and the tree said, come boy, come and climb up my trunk and swing from my branches and eat apples and play in my shade and be happy. I'm too big to climb and play, said the boy. I want to buy things and have fun. I want some money. "Sorry," the tree," said the tree, but I have no money. I only have leaves and apples. "Take my apples, boy, and sell them in the city. Then you will have money and be happy. "And so the boy climbed up the tree and gathered her apples and carried them away, and the tree was happy. But the boy stayed away for a long time, and the tree was sad. Then one day the boy came back, and the tree shook with joy. And she said come boy climb my trunk and swing from my branches and be happy i'm too busy to climb trees said the boy i want a house to keep me warm he said i want a wife and i want children and so i need a house can you give me a house i have no house said the tree the forest is my house but you may cut off my branches and build a house then you'll be happy and so the boy cut off her branches and carried them away to build his house. And the tree was happy. But the boy stayed away a long time. When he came back, the tree was so happy she could hardly speak. Come boy, she whispered, come and play. I'm too old and sad to play, said the boy. I want a boat that will take me me far away from here. Can you give me a boat? Cut down my trunk and make a boat, said the tree. Then you can sail away and be happy. And so the boy cut down her trunk and made a boat and sailed away. And the tree was happy, but not really. And after a long time, the boy came back again. I'm sorry, boy, said the tree, but I have nothing left to give you. My apples are gone. My teeth are too weak for apples, said the boy. My branches are gone, said the tree. You cannot swing on them. I'm too old to swing on branches, said the boy. My trunk is gone, said the tree. You cannot climb. I'm too tired to climb, said the boy. I'm sorry, sighed the tree. I wish I could give you something, but I have nothing left. I am just an old stump. I'm sorry. I don't need very much now, said the boy, just a quiet place to sit and rest. I'm very tired well, said the tree, straightening herself up as much as she could. An old stump is good for sitting and resting. Come boy, sit down. Sit down and rest. And the boy did. And the tree was happy. The hard message, I think, of the parable is that we all in some way Treat God like this tree. And we don't recognize fully the love that God has for us. And we miss it as we go about chasing all the things the boy did. Being too busy, needing money, finding material things, security, even running away. And yet God stands firm. And every time we come back, he loves us with everything he has. And he loves us just as we are, and not as we should be, because we're never gonna be exactly as we should be the side of glory. I find there are a number of parts of myself that I don't like pieces of me physically, mentally, emotionally, that I wish were different. For those of you that don't know me, I'm an eight on the Enneagram. If you know anything about the Enneagram, you know why they started the book with them, because we wouldn't have it any other way. I have a messy past. I sometimes feel sorry for myself. I feel alone in my ministry I wish I had more friends. Do you hear this in your own heart this morning? All the places where I fall short, all the places where I'm imperfect, all the places where I'm not enough. The difficulty with this is what I have done with myself in these places in believing some of these lies and actually preaching some of these lies to myself is that I've made myself an idol. Because I actually believe more about what I say about myself than what God himself says about me. Because God says to me that I am not only loved but I am desired. He will do whatever he can to make a way to be with me and to be with you. This is the giving tree. This is Jesus' giving tree where He gave everything, poured out everything so that He could be with us again. Do we believe this? Do we believe That we are loved exactly the way we are. I would even go so far as to say exactly the way we were created. That we are loved exactly the way we are. And not as we think we should be. Not as we even are. Because we're never going to be the way we should be. The side of glory. I'd like to take a couple of minutes and walk through Scripture with you. And this will seem a little different because it's not the standard way that Scripture's used from the pulpit, and that's okay. I would encourage you, however, as I'm not gonna reference each of these passages they will be up there, I would encourage you to go back through each of these passages in this way they will seem pulled out of context i'd like you to go back and explore the context double check them for yourselves and see if these are the things that god is really saying so with that i'm simply going to read these passages without commentary so you can hear the word of the lord this morning whoever confesses that jesus is the son of god God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because because as he is also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? For if while we were still enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, how much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life? Much more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. When Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise for you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy our morning Bible study is a gentleman who every time we finish reading says, the word of the Lord, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God, indeed. A number of years later, Brennan Manning was in the process of finishing a weekend retreat for a group of students. The weekend had gone incredibly well. And as he was leaving, he got into the cab to go to the airport. And the way that he describes it, somehow between getting out of the conference center and into the cab, he didn't close the door quickly enough because Satan got in with him. And before they were even pulled away from the curb, doubt started to climb into his mind. And he began to listen and believe the things that were being told to him. Wow, you're kind of a big deal. Look at the recognition you're going to receive from this. You're just doing this to promote your own agenda, to be able to sell your own books, to be able to move into these. You get the idea. And by the time he hit the airport, he had fallen into a depression. He flew to Chicago where he had a long layover. And so while there, he grabbed a car, went over to the south side of Chicago to go and visit with Mama Brennan, the mother of Ray Brennan. And as they sat in the living room and just kind of caught up and talked, the depression didn't go away. And so eventually he looked at her and he asked, and he said, Mom, do you believe that Ray really loved me? A little frustrated, she got up and walked into the kitchen. Didn't really answer. Came back and sat down and they talked some more But it was so heavy on his heart that he asked again. He said, Mom, do you think that, that Ray really loved me? This time she stood up angry and she cursed him. And said, Jesus Christ, man, what more could he have done for you? Do you see the love of God in that statement? What more could He have done for you? Left His Father in heaven, whom He had always been connected with, took all the mess that is mine and yours on Himself, became sin for us, died a criminal's death because he loves us. You see, the grace that is offered is not simply a loophole by which we sneak into heaven accidentally because we figured out a way to get around the law. It is God's love for us that is the fulfillment of the law. And his grace is the gift that is given out of his love for us right now, exactly as we are and not as we should be, because we're never gonna be as we should be. I have a couple of other stories I'd like to share. One that is a little more serious, one that's a little lighter. Um, Brennan and his wife lived in New Orleans and uh, one afternoon a knock came to his door and he went and answered the door and there's a woman there in tears and says, I've been, my, my father has cancer and is dying. I've been asking for people to come by and pray over him and they've been meaning to and haven't been able to, but I'm not sure he has much longer. Would you please come pray for my father? And he said, absolutely, I'll be there in 10 minutes. He walks in the door, and there's a man sitting propped up on a couple of pillows on a bed, and there's an empty chair next to, the, next to the bed, and he says, oh, I see you're expecting me. And the gentleman in the bed says, no, who are you? He goes, oh, forgive me, I misunderstood. I saw the empty chair just assumed that you are expecting company. And he goes, oh, yeah, the uh, chair. Close the door. Come on in. Every time my pastor would preach on prayer, it would go right over my head. I wouldn't understand it. So one day, about five years ago, I got the courage up and went and asked my pastor, "Can you please explain to me about prayer? Because every time you talk to me about it, it, just goes right over my head." And he opens a drawer and he picks out a book and he hands it to him it by Hans von Something or Other from somewhere who happens to be the foremost expert on prayer. And he said I had to look up eleven words in the first three pages in order to try to understand what this guy was saying. So the next week I went back to church and I handed the pastor back the book and I said, thank you. And under my breath for nothing. And I gave up on the idea of praying. About two years ago, a friend of mine who wasn't overly spiritual came up to me and out of the blue starts talking about prayer. And he says, you know, prayer is just having a conversation with a friend. He says, so what you do is you sit in a chair and you put an empty chair across from you and you just carry on a conversation and you talk to your friend and you listen to your friend. He says, I've been doing this for the last two years, about three hours a day. Do you think I'm really praying? He kind of laughs and says, yeah, it's so simple and it's so unsophisticated. I think it warms the heart of God that you want to be with him in that way. So he prays for him and he anoints him and goes back to his house and three days later, the daughter comes and knocks on the door and informs him that her father has passed. So I'm so sorry to hear that. Did he pass peacefully? He says, well, yes. About two o'clock in the afternoon, I was getting ready to go grocery shopping and he called me over to the bed and he told me one of his corny jokes and he kissed me on the forehead and I went shopping. And when I got back at three o'clock, he was dead. And she kind of paused and says, but there was something a little bit interesting. She's actually, it was downright weird. At some point before he died, he leaned out of his bed and he placed his head on this empty chair and died there. Do we know this Jesus? Do we know this Jesus this way? G.K. Chesterton says that our relationship with Jesus is a torrid love affair. Do we know this Jesus this way? Last story I'll tell you is a little lighter. Years ago, a golfer named Arnold Palmer who's known for more than just the the drink, was doing a goodwill tour through the Middle East and ended up in Syria. And the king of Syria was so impressed with him as a person, came up to him uh, after one of the events and said, I'd like to give you a gift. And he's like, "Uh, I don't really, no, I, I don't need any gift, thank you. But the king was insistent. This is fine. You know, if you would just give me a golf club, that would be really cool. And so a couple of days later, one of the king's aides walks up to him and he hands him an envelope. He says, This is the gift from the king. He's like, Envelope? I don't understand. And he opens it up, and the king had given him a golf club deed and everything 36 holes, trees, lakes. Don't underestimate the gift of a king. I think in many ways we ask for far too little. And I think it's because we don't always know him the way we need to. You ever had a hard time choosing a gift for somebody that you love? Don't you wish sometimes they just tell you what they want? We have a king like that too. I'd like to close this morning by allowing you to hear from Brennan Manning directly. Just a three minute piece. I'm not gonna have him preach a whole sermon to you. So you can see and hear this man just for a moment. And I hope that he begins
1: in some small way to speak to your heart the way that he has mine. In the 48 years since I was first ambushed by Jesus in a little chapel in the Allegheny Mountains of Western Pennsylvania, and in literally the thousands of hours of prayer, meditation, silence, and solitude over those years, I am now utterly convinced that on Judgment Day, the Lord Jesus is gonna ask each of us one question, and only one question. Did you believe that I loved you? that I desired you, that I waited for you day after day, that I longed to hear the sound of your voice. The real believers there will answer yes, Jesus. I believe in your love and I tried to shape my life as a response to it. But many of us who are so faithful in our ministry, in our practice, in our church going are gonna have to reply <clears throat> well, frankly, no, sir. I mean, I never really believed it. I mean, I heard a, wonderful, a lot of wonderful sermons and teachings about it. In fact, I gave quite a few myself. But I always thought that was just a way of speaking, a kindly lie, some Christians pious pat on the back to cheer me on. And there's the difference between the real believers and the nominal Christians that abound in our churches across the land. No one can measure like a believer the depth and the intensity of God's love, but at the same time, no one can measure like a believer the effectiveness of our gloom, pessimism, low self-esteem, self-hatred, and despair that block God's way to us. Do you see why it is so important to lay hold of this basic truth of our faith? Because you're only gonna be as big as your own concept of God. Remember the famous line of the French philosopher Blaise Pascal? God made man in his own image, and man returned the compliment. We often make God in our own image, and he won't have to be as fussy, rude, narrow-minded, legalistic, judgmental, unforgiving, unloving as we are. In the past couple of three years, I have preached the gospel to the financial community in Wall Street, New York City, the airmen and woman at the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, a 1,000 physicians in Nairobi. I've been in churches in Bangor, Maine, Miami, Chicago, St. Louis, Seattle, San Diego. And honest, the God of so many Christians I meet is a God who is too small for me because he is not the God of the Word. He is not the God revealed by it in Jesus Christ who this moment comes right to your seat and says, I have a word for you. I know your whole life story. I know every skeleton in your closet. I know every moment of sin, shame, dishonesty, and degraded love that has darkened your past. Right now, I know your shallow faith, your feeble prayer life, your inconsistent discipleship. And my word is this. I dare you to trust that I love you just as you are and not as you should be, because you're never going to be as you should be.
0: Are a number of references in the Old Testament that are names for Jesus. Two are found in this passage in the Song of Solomon. The rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley speaking to his bride. And so as benediction this morning, I'd ask that you receive this from the bridegroom to you. Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. For behold, the winter has passed, the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree ripens its figs and the vines are in blossom, they give forth fragrance. Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. Father God, we thank you this morning for your love. Amazing and unbelievable. Lord, would you help us to hear and believe that we are in fact loved just as we are and not as we should be. In Jesus' name, amen.